Awesome. So good to see everyone this morning and um, good to see a new, few new faces with us. And as Sam said, we're just so stoked you're with us and hope you feel welcome and at home here. Um, yeah, I want to celebrate the Freedom Conference too. I did it. I led a group this year and I just know I'm better for being on that journey of 12 weeks with six other awesome men and just really want to encourage you. That's something we do here each year. If you haven't done it, just encourage it. It's worth your time. It's something that's going to um, strengthen your faith and, and you're going to find awesome friendships along the way too. Um, well, as Sam said today, I'm kicking off a brand new series called Scent, uh, and it's actually quite funny how the series came about. So I, I had actually planned to do a series on worship uh, starting today, and it was going to be a four-week series, and I had all of my content planned, I had everything mapped out, and the night before I was about to write it, all of a sudden I felt like God saying, I don't want you to talk about that. And uh, to be honest, I got pretty angry at God because um, I like to have a plan and I felt like it was good and I was ready for it. And to be honest, I kind of fought back for a little bit and pretended I didn't hear him and it just wouldn't go away. And so here we are today. And what I really felt God telling me to talk about this morning was mission, was being on a mission, was, was evangelism. And I really feel that for our church here of Echo, that's really what God's wanting us to hear for this next few weeks. So I really encourage you, commit to coming to Sundays, commit to catch up on the podcast if you if you miss out be in a small group and be praying and talking about this stuff because I think there's something in it for such a time as this well I'm just going to pray this morning so if you want to close your eyes with me um, dear Lord I thank you so much for today I thank you for each and every person here this morning I thank you that no one's here by chance uh, Lord but they're here for a purpose Holy Spirit would you would you speak to all of us this morning in Jesus name Amen. Amen. So my title for this message, if you're taking notes, is Made for Mission. Made for Mission. You know, there's something about being on a mission. Being on a mission brings like a sense of adventure. It brings a sense of excitement. There's kind of like adrenaline there. There's something to be achieved. There's something to be pursued. There's something that's kind of steering you and guiding you. And maybe you can think back to a time of your life where you had a sense of mission. Maybe it was at work and you were kind of with a team at work and you were all pulling together to complete a project or maybe it was a group of friends and you went traveling and you're on a mission just to cover as much ground as you could or maybe you've been on a sports team and there was like this common goal, this mission of, of trying to attain a trophy. Maybe as kids you went on missions and, and looked to try to scale hills and climb trees and it just brings like a sense of adrenaline, a sense of purpose, a, a reinvigoration and as I thought about this I thought about when I was on sports teams growing up and for me those are some of the most um, times where I felt most alive because there was the sense of mission, the sense of purpose. We were all going together for something and the thing we all need to know is, is that if we've put our faith in Jesus and if we've given our lives to him, he has sent us on a mission. You have been sent on a mission. This is what it says in John 17, 18. Jesus says this to his disciples, as you sent me into the world, talking about God sending Jesus, I have sent them into the world. And the message, it says this, in the same way that you gave me a mission in the world, I gave them a mission in the world. He's given us a mission. That word mission, um, it comes from the Latin word, and in the Latin it means sending. We've been sent. He's given us an assignment. He's given us a task. He's given us a purpose that's meant to kind of be before us and meant to kind of put a spring in our step and direct us 
and guide us. You know, when Jesus was on the earth, he was really clear about what his mission was. It says in scripture that at the age of 12, he he went missing for a few days, three days in fact, and his parents searched tirelessly for him and they found him in the temple of God and they said, son, why have you done this to us? And he said, why were you looking for me? Didn't you know I must be about my father's business? Even back then at the age of 12, he had this sense of mission, the sense of purpose. And then 21 years later, he would hang on the cross and say, it is finished. His mission was finished. He knew what it was. And the mission that Jesus had when he was on the earth is now our mission. He's given it to us. What he did in his physical body when he was on the earth, he now wants to accomplish through his spiritual body, which is his church, you and me. So what is this mission? The mission of Christ and the mission of God, the mission that he's given to us is to reconcile people back to the Father. It's to reconcile God's lost sons and daughters back to himself. This is what it says in 2 Corinthians. Uh, This is Paul speaking. He says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Isn't that an awesome verse? If you belong to Christ, you have been renewed on the inside. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. He completely changes and transforms us. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. Notice it says God has given us this task. It's not God's task. He's actually entrusted his church and his people with the task of reconciling others back to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he has given us this wonderful message of reconciliation. He's given us that message, that beautiful message that God would come in the form of a man and die and bear the sins of the world out of his great love. And there is hope and there is life. He's entrusted us that message. Jesus himself directly gives this commission in some of his last words recorded in in Matthew's gospel. This is what he says directly. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. He's sent us on a mission. He's with us on this mission. In Mark's gospel, same statement. I love how Frank, he puts it, says this. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. He sent us on a mission. And what we need to know is that mission isn't only for super Christians or pastors or evangelists. It's for every single person in this room. Everyone's been sent on a mission because the thing is, there's some people in your life that only you will be able to reach because of the way God's brought you up, because of the people he's put in front of your path, because of your upbringing, because of your different unique skills. We are all needed for this mission. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be kind of diving into some more practical elements of how can we live a life on mission. But really my heart for today is that we would catch God's heart for mission. We would learn how he feels about it so we could align ourselves with the mission of God. And and I really think the best passage in the Bible uh, that kind of illustrates God's heart for, for, for mission is the parables Jesus taught on the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. So I'm going to read through that this morning. If you want to follow along, um, I'm in Luke 15, and I'm just going to take a quick little drink. 
So this is Jesus talking. Oh, no, not quite yet. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering, gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. That's what religion sounds like. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And then he goes on and talks about the lost son, how one son would take an early inheritance, he would go away and live a wild life and blow all his money, he would be filled of guilt and shame, he would come to his senses and slowly crawl his way back to his father, and he wouldn't be met with condemnation or judgment, but he would be met with grace and mercy and a feast because what was lost had now been found. You see, Jesus repeats the same story three different times because he wants us to understand how dear it is to God's heart to seek and save that which is lost. You know, it's not that he doesn't care about the 99 sheep. It's just the fact that one is lost. They're safe. The other one isn't. And that story doesn't make sense until you're the lost sheep, until you're the one, until you're the one that he's pursuing. And he wants us to have that same attitude, that same heart where our heart yearns and breaks for those out outside of the family of God, outside of, of, of relationship with God. He wants us to share his heart. You know, I don't know about you, I don't know if you've ever lost anything. You know, for me, it's a common occurrence. Um, if you know my dad, I got it from him. Uh, and uh, he's here this morning, and I love to, to give him a bit of a hard time. But I, I once heard a, a story that um, he was a teacher at school and a PE teacher, and they were in the gym. And uh, he had lost all the gym keys, um, so couldn't lock up. And um, they were searching laboriously for these keys, turning things upside down. And after a very long bit of time, Dad says, I've found the keys, and they're around his neck. And uh, you, you know that... If you have something attached to you and you lose it, uh, you've got issues. But um, <laughs> I, can't, uh, I can't rub that in too much because I've got the same problem. I'm forever losing keys, losing phones, losing wallets. You know, in the morning before I go to work, Samantha will often hear me erupt from the other side of the house. Where's my keys? Did you move my keys? And, and the thing is, is when you lose something, it comes into focus. When you lose something, you can't think about anything else until you find it. Maybe you've lost your phone and you can't find your phone. It's almost like you don't care what anyone's saying, what anyone's doing until you find your phone. You're on a mission turning things over. Everything um, zooms out and that comes into focus because it's lost. You know, we've got a daughter now and we've kind of moved just from losing keys and phones to losing our daughter. Um, the, the other week we went to Bunnings and it was honestly probably the worst half an hour of my life. We went to Bunnings and wanted to get some stuff and every time I'd stop to look at something, she'd be running off and grabbing dangerous equipment off the shelves and, 
getting lost and it would almost be like you look up, she's gone and then you drop everything because you're like, I've got to find my daughter, she's lost. Nothing else really matters because something that is lost needs to be found. And I think that's exactly how God feels about his lost children. I feel like that's exactly how God feels about his lost sons and daughters. It's not that he doesn't care about the 99, he loves them just as much but they're safe. They're they're with him, they're protected. It's the ones that are lost that he is wanting to pursue and find. And he wants us to have that heart. Do we have that same level of concern that God has for the people outside of the family of God? Does our hearts break and yearn for those that don't know God? Yet do we carry that burden for the lost in our community? Those are very good questions. And today I want to talk about two things I really feel that we as a church really need to grow in uh, if we want to be a church on mission. So I'm going to talk about two things this morning. The first thing, if you're taking notes, is prayer. This is what Paul says to Timothy in 1 Timothy 2. He says, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them, intercede on their behalf, and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. You know, we're called to pray for all people. We're called to intercede. And if we really want to be a church that lives out the calling that God has on us, we need to be first found on our knees. We need to be first found praying for our workmates. We need to first found praying for our families, praying for our community, praying for those that don't know God, praying, 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 because prayer lays the foundation that everything else is built upon. And I'd really love it that if while we're doing this series, if we really turn the heat up, as a church for four weeks in our small groups, if each time we met, we were like, man, let's pray for the lost. Let's pray for our community. Who, who are our one mores that we're praying for? Let's pray for them by name and let's really put that into lens because that is the heart of God, that we wouldn't become so self-focused that we lose sight that there is a mission of God that he has commissioned us to. You know, there's a spiritual battle going on for people's lives. The reality is it's spiritual and without prayer, that, that doesn't shift, so we need to be a church first marked by prayer. You know, the Bible tells us to pray for those that don't know God, but he also tells us, it also tells us to pray to send out people into the harvest field, to send out connections, to send out relationships. This is what Jesus says in, in Matthew 9. Uh, it says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, pro- proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. You know, he's asking his disciples to pray both for people and that people would be sent. And so we need to be um, mindful to pray for those two, two things. And we should be saying, Lord, send me. Lord, use me. Lord, who's in my path? That is one way that we begin to be a mission-focused church is to be marked by prayer. The second thing we need to grow in to fulfill our mission is to share our faith. You know, sharing the gospel, it's one of the most loving things you can do for someone. It is the best message you can tell someone. It is called the good news for a reason. And if you think about it this way, if if you knew someone that had cancer or um, a physical ailment, an autoimmune condition, and you knew the cure, it would be almost criminal to withhold that life-saving information. 
Now, if we use that same analogy and we really believe that if you're outside of Christ, you're in spiritual darkness and we've actually got the message that tells people the truth, wouldn't it be loving to be thinking of active ways that people hear that message? Wouldn't it actually be really loving to to share the message, to share that message that's been entrusted to us? Um, Paul says this in Romans 10, he says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And that's the message. If you turn to Jesus, you will be saved, you'll be restored, you'll you, you will have an eternal hope, you'll, you'll, you'll have the Holy Spirit, you'll be able to walk in freedom. But then he goes on and says this, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring the good news. You know, we've been sent. We've been given the message. We've been entrusted with it. People can't respond to something that they haven't heard. And we need to remember that it is the best news ever. It's good news. We're not serving up a bad message. It's a great message. It's a message of hope. It's a message of grace. It's a message of love. It's a message that tells people that they're not here by accident, but they were actually created by a loving God for a purpose. And there's hope beyond this life. We get to share that, and there's different ways we can do it. There's different ways. There's a power in an invite. There's power in inviting someone into an environment where the gospel is being shared. There's power in just sharing your story, what God's done in your life. That's something people can't argue with. There's power in actually sharing your faith, sharing the gospel, sharing what you believe, and there's power in actually living a life marked by the gospel, embodying gospel values. You know, both sharing the gospel and living the gospel are important, but you can't have one without the other. Because if you just go around sharing the gospel and you don't actually live the gospel, your sharing becomes pretty empty because there's no witness to back it up. But if you just, wit- if you just say, I'm just going to live the gospel, which is a great start, but you never actually share it, how are people ever going to have a chance to actually respond to it? It's both and both. I love what Peter, what Peter says in his letter to the church. He says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of the slander. He's saying do both. He's saying have a Christian life, have a Christian witness, model it, be a person of love, be a person of grace, be a person of kindness, but always be on the lookout. Always be on the lookout to share that hope that you have. Always be on the lookout to share the gospel. We're called to share the gospel. And if I could just invite um, Jesse back up. I just kind of want to recap um, where we've been this morning. God is passionate about seeing lost things found. If you didn't hear anything today, God is passionate about seeing lost things found. He's a lovesick father that would cross every cultural divide, every barrier. He would eat with people that society despised because he is passionate about seeing lost things found. And I really believe that God wants us to care about the things that he cares about. You know, and when we start to think about things like it, actually, it's actually healthy for us not to be thinking about ourselves all the time. There's people out there to be saved. There's a mission, and there's something in actually being on mission that creates freedom in our own lives. We talked about two ways that we can partner with the heart of God. The first one was prayer, having a lifestyle of prayer. You know, and I'd love it, man, in our groups if we just start praying each time for those outside the family of God, praying for our community and our daily prayer, having a reminder who's those one mores I'm praying for. Have I prayed for my workplace today? Have I prayed for my family members today? Having a lifestyle of prayer and also praying, Lord, send out the workers. Send them out, Lord. 
edify them, encourage them, give them boldness, send me, give me an assignment. We talked about sharing the gospel, both living it and sharing it. People can't respond to something they haven't heard, and that's something we can each do. We all have a story. We can all extend an invite. You know, we can all learn the, the salvation message. You know, I just want to close um, by reading something that's really inspired me, an awesome Christian man, and it's really inspired me to live a life of message, and just wanted to share it this morning. So um, this, is, this is from a man called Rick Warren, awesome Christian man. This is what he says in his book. My father was a minister for over 50 years, serving mostly in small rural churches. He was a simple preacher, but he was a man with a mission. His favorite activity was taking teams of volunteers overseas to build church buildings for small congregations. In his lifetime, Dad built over 150 churches around the world. In 1999, my father died of cancer. In the final week of his life, the disease kept him awake in a semi-conscious state nearly 24 hours a day. As he had dreamed, he had talked out loud about what he was dreaming. Sitting by his bedside, I learned a lot about my dad by just listening to his dreams. He relived one church building project after another. One night near the end, while my wife, my niece and I were by his side, dad suddenly became very active and tried to get out of bed. Of course he was too weak and my wife insisted he lay back down, but he persisted in trying to get out of bed. So my wife finally asked him, Jimmy, what are you trying to do? He replied, Gotta save one more for Jesus. Gotta save one more for Jesus. Gotta save one more for Jesus. He began to repeat that phrase over and over. During the next hour, he said the phrase probably a hundred times. Gotta save one more for Jesus. As I sat by his bed with tears flowing down my cheeks, I bowed my head to thank God for my dad's faith. At that moment, Dad reached out and placed his frail hand on my head and said, as if commissioning me, save one more for Jesus. Save one more for Jesus. How powerful is that? How powerful is that? You know, God's commissioned each of us. Man, we don't have to be something we're not. You know, we don't have to be street evangelists. We just, we just need to look who's around us. Who do I have a relationship with? Who can I be spending time with? You know, I'm going to finish this morning by praying, but before I do that, I, I, I really, my heart for this is that it wouldn't be a series that we kind of get pumped up about and we're, we're like, yeah, that was awesome for three weeks and then it doesn't result in anything. I, I, my heart is that we'd actually begin to grow in this as a church, that we'd be a church on mission. You know, uh, with the church, we see a, a statement of the, the, the church we see ourselves growing into. We've said this. We're, we see a missional church, a church that believes everyone deserves to hear the message of Jesus from a person they trust in a way they can understand and with a power that's transformational. A people relentless in their pursuit to reach one more for Christ because that is God's heart. God's all about seeing lost things found and, um, and kind of as a visual cue, you won't believe it, but I got my creative side going this week. Um, we've got, I've got a coin here and uh, I've, there's a coin with a magnet on the back and, and we've made a hundred of these and it's a symbol of the lost coin the lady that had ten coins but one was lost and so she swept the house 
until she found that coin. And we've put a magnet on the back, and we'd love to gift each person here with one of these coins. They're not real. They're plastic. Um, <laughs> uh, so you can't spend them. Uh, but uh, you can. we'd love it for you to put it on something that you see. Put it on your fridge. Put it on your workstation, a whiteboard, your computer. Put it somewhere where it's visible to you that you're going to see on your mirror. So each time that's a visual reminder of, man, am I about the mission of God? Man, who's someone in my life that I'm actively looking to spend time with that doesn't know God? Have I been praying for the lost? Man, is there someone that I could be asking God for an opportunity to share? You know, and and I believe that we can use this as a key to keep our mission focused. So I'd love for you to take one today before you leave. There's going to be a a couple of boxes and grab one on your way out and put it somewhere visible. Um, And I'm just going to finish by praying. So if you'd stand to your feet. Lord, I thank you that you're a, a God of radical love. That you, you, you cross every barrier, you forgive every sin, no matter how big the chasm is. Your grace is always bigger. Lord, that each of us was once lost and you were pursuing us and you sent people around us and people were praying for us. And Lord, we've been recipients of that grace. And Father, we really want to care about what you care about. Lord, so would you fuel us with passion for your gospel? Lord, would you fuel us with boldness, Lord, that even as Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation, saving everyone who believes. Lord, we thank you for that wonderful message, Lord, and we lift up our community, Father. We thank you so much for the special people in our community. Lord, we love our community, and Father, we just really pray for your mercy. And your grace, Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd go before us into our workspaces, Lord, into our schools, into our vocations, into our businesses, into our coffee groups and cafes, and that you would just go before us, Lord, and prepare the way. And I pray that you would send us out, Lord, on a mission, Lord, on a mission of love and grace. Father, would would you... Help us create hearts of prayer that would first be found praying for those that don't know God, praying for our workplaces, Lord, praying for our families. Holy Spirit, would you would you give us wisdom as we as we be about your mission? Pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.